0: Grace and peace to you from Jesus, the Messiah. Rejection, huh? This one's a tough one. Actually, it's quite tough. Most of us, maybe even all of us, have not just one rejection story, rather many times where we have experienced rejection. We might think about the jobs that we wanted but didn't get, or the colleges that we applied for or applied to but never got that acceptance letter, or maybe even the scholarships that we applied for but did not ever see a penny. We might think about the team that we tried out for and didn't make, or the friends where we have, and uh, we were the ones not invited to that birthday party, or how about when we've invited our own family members to an, a meal or an activity, and they chose not to come. We might also think about romantic experiences where we wanted a relationship or even a chance at a relationship, but the other person was just not interested. Rejection is painful. In our culture today, for those searching for a romantic relationship they have an option of using a dating app on their phone. These dating apps require each person to create a profile. Basic information, naming their chief identities, and also uh, maybe a photo, some personality traits or interests as well. And when you're looking at the app, if someone's profile looks interesting to you, you can use your finger across the phone and swipe right that indicates that you like what you see you can also do the opposite motion if you're not interested in seeing any more about this person you can swipe to the left you swipe right to embrace a possibility of a potential match with that person you swipe left to reject any possibility of a match there's both Pleasure and pain in this process. The pleasure, of course, is that often those rejections are subtle and private. Sometimes you don't even know that your profile was rejected. But the pain is that sometimes you are rejected by someone that you might be interested in. And you are rejected based on very little information, a very small picture of who you are. Apps like these make rejection feel subtle and common and even acceptable. And yet, at the simple mention of rejection, most of us can easily remember these stories of being rejected because rejection is not subtle. It is not common. It is not acceptable. Rejection is painful. And even knowing how painful rejection is, we are still the ones who do the rejecting occasionally. This is the season of Lent, the season in the life of a church community where we pause long enough to look within ourselves and see the places where we have not been faithful followers of God. When we have not been the loving, forgiving neighbors that God calls us to be. The times where we have rejected being who God calls us to be. When God has given us laws or called us to do something and instead we swipe left. We swipe left when we don't like the law or we don't feel like following it. We swipe left when we would rather do something else. Come to church. Nah, swipe left to sleep in. Go shovel your neighbor out of their driveway. Nah, swipe left to stay in your own warm living room. Give money to the church or another organization that is doing God's work. Nah, swipe left to make sure I have enough. Forgive our friend or our family member, for something they did. Nah, swipe left because I'm still hurt. Each time we swipe left, we reject God's call to be God's kingdom in this time and place. We reject God when we choose sin. It's easy to love God when it's fun or rewarding to ourselves. But we reject God when it costs us more than we want to give. And rejection becomes subtle and commonplace and even acceptable. The people in our reading today that Lori just read fully understood rejection. Jesus is telling this tough parable about rejection to the religious authorities the Pharisees. To give you an idea of what's happening at the time, just before this story, Jesus had entered the city of Jerusalem on a donkey, doing his parade wave as he strode over branches and some cloaks laid out in the floor on the road. We celebrate this event each year as Palm Sunday, but this first Palm Sunday was anything but a celebration for these Pharisees. Jesus entering in this fashion was Jesus admitting, even proclaiming, that he is indeed the Messiah, the one that everyone's been waiting for. He was finally saying out loud to the masses, I am the Son of God, the Messiah, the one with the most religious authority. So the Pharisees were not okay. So they ask Jesus, by what authority do you have the right to make these claims and do those things that you've been doing? And in this parable that we just heard, that's part of Jesus' answer to them. This parable tells of a vineyard owner who rents out the land and at harvest time sends his servant to collect the rent that is due to him. The workers reject the servant, so the vineyard owner sends another one, and then another one, and another one, and the text says many more. Each one gets treated worse and worse and worse by the renters until finally the vineyard owner sends his own son, hoping that the renters would finally give the respect and honor and rent that is due. But the renters reject the son, drag him out of the vineyard, and kill him. Using a vineyard for Jesus to tell this story was a bold move. These Pharisees and any other Jewish person who could have been listening at the time would have known the other places in scripture that talks about vineyards. They would have known Isaiah chapter 5, where God is the vineyard owner, and the Israelites themselves were the vineyard. And in this parable, when the grapes don't grow, God responds by destroying the vineyard and making it a wasteland. That vineyard story is a story that first century Jewish people held in their core. That God has the power to reject them, And make their lives a wasteland. And these Pharisees would have also known the psalm, Psalm 118, that says that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. But they would have viewed the cornerstone as themselves, the people on which God was going to build a kingdom. The Old Testament Israelites were a rejected people, more enemies than friends. They saw themselves as a rejected people that God would build a kingdom upon. So it's in this balance of the fear of becoming a wasteland and the hopes of being God's cornerstone that Jesus tells his parable. A very different version where the people are not destroyed by God, nor are they the foundation of God's kingdom. In Jesus' version, God, the vineyard owner, is persistent and merciful, who sends servant after servant to reach the people. These servants symbolize the prophets and priests of old when that doesn't work, God finally sends God's own son in the hopes to draw out faithful workers. But those workers instead reject the vineyard owner once again in favor of their own selfish pursuits. According to one of the theologians whom I respect the most, his name's Kenneth Bailey. He is considered uh, an expert in Middle Eastern culture. He says that in first century real estate, the vineyard owner had the ability and the right to call on authorities who would respond with a heavily armed company of trained men to storm the vineyard, arrest the violent men who have mistreated the servants, and bring them to justice. He says that, in fact, in Jewish culture, the landowner is honor-bound to retaliate and deal with this matter. And yet, in Jesus' story, no anger is mentioned. And the owner tries again and again. And instead of calling for a company of armed men, the vineyard owner sends his own son. And then the story at the core of the Jewish listener changes No longer are they the rejected people, the rejected stone on which God would build a kingdom. Jesus is. Jesus is the cornerstone, the stone that all other stones would be measured against and set in line with. The stone that ensured that the building would not be lopsided and would be level and secure. When Jesus comes along and tells this story, he's changing the focus, drawing their attention from themselves and placing it on him, taking their brokenness and rejection and fear of becoming a wasteland and bringing that pain into himself. Jesus was rejected too. His own people rejected him, dragged him out of the city, and killed him. And this is who God builds his kingdom on. The one who we measure our own lives against. The one who helps us make sure our lives are not lopsided, but are level and secure. This parable is Jesus' way of telling the Pharisees that he is the Son of God. This is the authority by which he heals people, casts out demons, preaches and teaches, calls out the crooked money changers in the temple. This is Jesus claiming his identity. God understands rejection. Like those vineyard workers who refused and dishonored their relationship with him, we also Reject God by rejecting God's laws. Refusing to be what and who God wants us to be. Neglecting our own relationships with God. Yeah, God understands rejection, but God doesn't do the rejecting we do. And yet God, with more mercy than we could possibly imagine, continues to send person after person, and finally sends God's own son, Jesus, to repair our relationships. It's difficult to hear when we've done something wrong. No one likes to be called out on their poor choices or their mistakes. And yet, as a church, as a whole people of God, this is what the season of Lent is all about. This is our time to get real, to go to that dark place of admitting where we have not been the people that God wants us to be. When we don't want to give up our time or our money or our energy, these are sins of rejection. Sins that stay within us until we lay them at Jesus' feet. And because we have become so used to swiping left on these things that cost us too much, we don't even realize all the ways in which we are rejecting God. So thank God for Lent. Thank God for this time to go through our memories, our lives, our habits, and our characters, to search out these stones of rejection and lay them at the feet of the cross. I invite you today to hold on to that stone that you grabbed. Within those grooves and the edges of the stone, place your sins of rejection there. And when you come up for communion, place that stone here at the foot of the cross, knowing that God is merciful and persistent and loves you always. And then, just maybe, we can work to swipe right on God's call for our lives. We can work to be better at giving our time, our money, or our energy. We can build our lives on Jesus, the cornerstone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.